So today we want to talk about sometimes I have fear in my life. Sometimes I have fear in my life. And the Bible states in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Another version would say a sound mind. The Passion Translation records it this way, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Or the New Living Translation says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, in spite of knowing and believing this verse, at times I don't live my life in accordance with the truth of this verse. Sometimes I have fear in my life, and so do most people, most Christians. And the fears range from A to Z. The fear of the loss of a loved one or a close relationship, fear of financial loss or a job loss, fear of the risk that they're taking not working out, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of getting sick, fear of a coming divorce, fear of running out of money, fear of being betrayed by those we love, fear of the unknown, fear of confrontation, fear of change. And when I have fear in my life, I have to make a choice. I'm faced by a decision. Do I face everything and rise to the occasion? Or do I forget everything and run? In other words, do I fight or flight? Fear shows up under many different names. Anxiety, dread, foreboding, apprehension, fright, consternation, panic, trepidation. And fear does not have to be rational or reasonable. In fact, most often fear in our lives is very irrational, even silly. We have fear of the dark, fear of the monster under the bed or in the closet, fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of thunderstorms. Here's one for you. Fear of shower curtains. Many people cannot stand to see a closed shower curtain. Even Martha Stewart says they need to be pulled to the side, either right or left, with clear and complete visibility into the shower stall or the bathtub. What, you've never seen Psycho? Or about a dozen other scary movies? Everyone knows that the crazy killer, the zombie, the vampire, the murderer, the creepy kidnapper, always hides in the shower. Fear is the opposite of courage. Fear is the opposite of feeling secure, of being and remaining calm. Fear is the opposite to inner comfortableness or inner peace. And fear is the opposite to things feeling like they are under your control. John Wesley, one of my heroes, back in the 1700s, said, I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. When I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne, reigning over everything. And I take comfort in his control over the affairs of my life.
Here's what I know about fear. The more fear we allow into our lives, the more fear we tolerate, the more we will struggle to grow spiritually. Fear poisons us a little each day if we don't face it head on and nullify its power in our lives. And it's interesting to note that when human babies are born, we only have two natural fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. That means that all those other things we are afraid of, they are learned behaviors, learned fears. Fears that we have accumulated, most through experiences, some through negative experiences. Like a knapsack on our back that accumulates into a burden the size of a dumpster, our fears weigh us down and prevent us from traveling through life with speed and with grace. Now, most of our fears fall into four categories, the not-so-fantastic four. Number one, that we have a fear of loss. Number two, we have a fear of failure. Number three, we have a fear of rejection. And number four, we have a fear of the unknown. Let's look at those four. Number one, fear of loss. One of our basic human fears, the fear of loss, can take many forms. If you're married, thoughts of losing your spouse through divorce, through death, may prey on your peace of mind. Almost every parent I know has at some point dealt with the fear of losing a child, or at least the fear of something bad happening to one of their children. Some people fear financial loss or lack of money to last through retirement. There's fear of losing control that if they can't keep tabs on everything and everyone and keep all their plates spinning just the way they want, their world will collapse around them. You can name what it is that you have a fear of losing. There's so many things. Number two, we have a fear of failure. And that's a very common fear in the lives of people today. And sometimes I find myself in this position, worrying that I just won't be able to be up to the demands that are placed on me in my overseas ministry. Sometimes I fear I won't live up to the personal goals I set myself, my life goals, exercise and weight loss goals, learning goals or reading goals, friendship goals, financial goals. Fear of failure can paralyze us from starting something new in life, launching a new business, going back to school, pursuing a relationship, even reaching out to someone with a phone call. You're just not sure if you'll be able to do it, so you never even try. And that's the power of the toxic fear of failure. And you can fill in your own fear here as well. What are you afraid of failing at? The third one was fear of rejection. And many people fear rejection or abandonment. Young people who wanted to ask someone out on a date but thought, now, why would someone like that ever want to go out with a person like me? Married people who live in constant fear that their spouse is going to just up and leave them one day. Others who are absolutely controlled by a people-pleasing mindset that anchored in a, that's anchored in a fear of rejection. They want everybody to accept them, so they wonder, will she like this hairstyle? What will he think if I don't agree to the deal? I better go or they won't like me. I don't want to upset anyone if I don't have to. Individuals can be afraid 
that people might not like them if, and that leads to the fear of rejection. And the fourth one was the fear of the unknown. Most people dread not knowing what lies ahead. Many, many people can't help wondering things like, what if I get sick with some serious illness? What if someone I love comes down with a serious illness? What if I lose my job? What's going to happen in the future? What if I never have a real friend? Most of the things we fear in the unknown are usually totally out of our control. And people worry about things that they cannot control, which is really an effort in futility. When you feel fearful, you need to acknowledge just one truth. Our all-knowing, always-present, all-powerful Heavenly Father does not give us fear. Again, 2 Timothy 1.7 For God gave us a spirit, but not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Passion Translation For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. For the New Living Translation, For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So when you feel fearful, you need to acknowledge just one truth, that our all-knowing, always-present, all-powerful Heavenly Father does not give us fear. Now, if this is true, and it is, why then do so many of us find ourselves consumed at times with fear? I mean, it's clear that what God has given us is power, love, and a sound mind. But we need to do more than acknowledge the verse. We need to apply the verse. We need to live the truth of the verse. And if you're always worried, always anxious, always overwhelmed, living paralyzed, then you need to realize this important truth. Fear comes from our enemy. And he lobs smoke bombs at us constantly, each time hoping that we'll mistake it for a live grenade. So if your life is polluted by fear, it's time to clear the smoke and take a breath of fresh air. People often say that fear is the opposite of faith, and I respectfully disagree. Fear actually relies on faith. It's simply faith in the wrong things. Fear is placing your faith in what-ifs rather than in God-is. Fear is allowing your imagination to wander down the long, dark alley of possibilities and get mugged every couple of steps. Fear is being taken hostage by all of our what-ifs instead of allowing God-is to set you free. Now, there's a Bible character who really wrestled with all of this, and his name is Moses. In the Old Testament, when God first appeared to Moses, calling on him to deliver the Hebrew people out of slavery to the Egyptians, he chose to do so by talking from a burning bush. Now, that would probably get most people's attention. And yet, following this encounter, we see Moses immediately start playing the what-if game with God, as fear sets in. So in Exodus chapter 3, God reveals to Moses his entire plan and Moses' role in it, even assuring Moses that he himself, that God himself, will be with him in his plan. 
Then in the very next chapter, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, Moses responds by answering God, But what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? This is the same game most of us play, especially when God calls us because he wants us to, do, to use our lives to do something significant or special or difficult. The same game that we, most of us, play when he asks us to do something we don't want to do, something we would find difficult to do, you know, like forgive someone. Rather than considering that God knows what he's doing and trusting him, we immediately roll out a long list of what-ifs. Sounds good, Lord, but what if I can't do it? What if the economy drops? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if they don't forgive me? What if my spouse cheats on me? What if my kids get hurt? What if we get in a car accident? What if I never get married? What if I do get married and it's to a jerk? What if we can't have kids? What if we have too many kids? What if our cat gets pregnant again? There are just so many bad things that could happen in life that fear can rule your life. And it seems to me like we spend a huge amount of time brainstorming a list of everything that could go wrong, will go wrong, might go wrong, instead of better using that same energy to ask God for steps we could take that will help us meaningfully get in on what he's doing. So let's stop for a minute and recognize that your what-ifs do matter. You can gain, gain some vital insights by, by examining your what-ifs list. Insight number one, when, what you fear reveals what you value the most. So if you examine your what-if list, the things that you fear, they can shine a light on your priorities which are always good to know. In other words, if you feel losing your marriage, that shows you really value your commitment to your marriage. If you fear that something bad will happen to your children, that shows that you really value your kids. If you feel losing your job or losing your money, then you value financial security and financial stability. While none of these are inherently bad things to place value on, focusing negatively on any of them can lead you down a poison path to worry rather than leading you to positive action. So you can gain some vital insights by examining your what-ifs list. One insight would be what you fear reveals what you value the most. But insight number two is what you fear reveals what you trust God the least. When you have persistent fear in a given area of your life, it can be an indicator that you're not depending on God to handle it. And this usually means that you're not asking Him for direction in that area either. Let's say you are constantly worried about your marriage. Have you asked God to make your marriage better? And then trusted Him to actually do it? If you pray, but then you keep worrying about it, your actions are communicating, Oh, sure I prayed, but that's not enough. I really don't expect God to intervene, and so I need to continue worrying about the situation. Or if you worry that something bad might happen to your children, you're essentially telling God, if I don't really believe you're good enough, I really don't, 
I don't believe that your plan and your purposes will come through for my children. So for my part, I'm going to contribute by worrying. If you're constantly worrying about financial stability, then your actions are saying, God, I don't really trust you to provide for me. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27. Jesus makes it clear how much good worry and angst does us. Jesus asks, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? In the Passion Version it reads, so which one of you by worrying can, could add anything to your life? And the answer is obviously no, worry does not add anything to our life. It takes things away. So then why do we fear? The answer because we are afraid to trust God with every area and every hour of our lives. Why do we fear? Answer, because anticipating the worst allows us to believe we have some semblance of control. Why do we fear? Because then we won't be surprised when something terrible happens because we've already imagined it and prepared ourselves. So how do we find our way out of living with fear? I believe we have to face our greatest fears in order to reach our greatest potential. And the only way to do this is to actually allow God to lead you. So if you're struggling to trust God in some area of your life, thus living in fear, anxiety, there are a number of things you should do. Number one, first you must identify what you are afraid of. You can't know where to start in dealing with an issue like anxiety and fear if you're still pretending it doesn't exist. So admit that you're living with fear. Identify it clearly because until you do it will continue to be that elephant in the room. That huge dark cloud hover, hovering over you that you're not willing to talk about. So do some name calling. Check the label and see the brand of fear you're wearing. Number two, secondly, Surrender what you have identified as the area that you have fear, anxiety, and lack of trust in. Surrender what you have identified to God. Commit to trust Him to give you the power to overcome your fear once and for all. I remind you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I'm not saying to just give it over to God and then pretend like it's not a problem anymore. What I'm saying is, give it over to God and allow God to give you the strength, the wisdom, and the courage to defeat your fear once and for all. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And if you ask, it will be given you. Ask God to show you what you can do, what's within your power, to minimize the risk of that fear becoming realized. Then whatever God reveals to you, do it. Beyond that, choose with every bit of faith that you have to trust that God will be faithful like his word says he will. He will be faithful to see you through, and he will always provide a way for you to endure. An Old Testament story to drive that point home. King David. David grew up a simple shepherd boy before becoming king of Israel. And God first prepared him and led him to do some amazing things, like, you know, killing the giant Goliath. 
And even after God made it clear that David was to be the future king over Israel, sending his prophet Samuel to anoint David, 1 Samuel chapter 16, which was a symbolic act marking David as God's chosen, David still faced many obstacles and waited many years before assuming the throne. Not the least of these obstacles was the reigning king, Saul, who felt very threatened by this up-and-comer. In fact, Saul's anxiety and fear became so great that he began to loathe the dynamic warrior, warrior poet. Finally, his fear-based hatred reached the boiling point, and King Saul issued an order to his son and to his men, I want you to go hunt David down and kill him. That you'd find in 1 Samuel chapter 19. Now, it's easy to look at this situation and think, wow, how terrible. It must have been really hard for David to have the king put a death warrant on him. But if we put ourselves in David's sandals for a moment, it becomes downright horrific. For, it would be, for me, it would be like the city police, the provincial RCMP, the CISI, the CRA, the military and Interpol, all told. Get me that crazy Christian guy, Ralph Howe. I want his sorry carcass, dead or alive. Now you understand why I still check behind my shower curtains. Wherever you live, imagine that the most powerful leader in your nation issued that command about you. Imagine that every force in the country is out scouring the countryside for you, interrogating your friends and family to find you. Hot on your trail, you can't go to any public places. You're always looking over your shoulder. This nightmare was the reality of David's life. No matter where he went, he couldn't escape this knowledge that the most powerful man in Israel, the king, wanted him dead. In Psalm 56, verses 1 to 4, we get a glimpse not only of his ordeal, but we get a glimpse into how he faced it. Let me quote it to you. My enemies are in hot pursuit. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Let me read that to you again. My enemies are in hot pursuit. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. And when, am I, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? David clearly was overwhelmed and perhaps terrified. He just called it like it was, being honest with God. He was God's anointed, God's chosen, the future king. But that certainly didn't have any bearing on his circumstances at this point in time. He named his fears and admitted he was living in fear, living with fear. And that's the first step we are to take. Identify the fear. Number two, surrender the fear to God and remain involved and responsible. Again, that's what J. David just did. And then number three, choose to trust God in the midst of the fear. Just as David said, 
but even though I'm afraid, I'm choosing to trust in you. And you need to say that. You need to say it more than once. I believe your word, God. I'm choosing to trust in you, God. Because of you, I'm choosing not to be afraid. So identify the fear. Surrender the fear to God. But you remain involved and responsible. Just don't give it to God and walk away. Choose to trust God in the midst of the fear, as David did. And then refocus the problem. Refocus the fear. Notice the last thing David said here in the passage. What can mere mortals do to me? Well, let's answer that question. They could have killed him. They could capture him and put him in prison for the rest of his life. They could have tortured him till he died. They could have made the rest of his life miserable. They could have kept him from his destiny to become king. So how is David able to overcome his fears? He refocuses his vision, his view of the problem. He shifted from his fuel, fear-fueled thoughts from the temporary, earthly point of view to an eternal perspective. By stepping back and viewing his fears from a more comprehensive, big-picture perspective, David could say, you know what? Even if my worst what-ifs come to pass, if I still choose to trust God, no one can do anything that hurts me eternally. Nothing. And suddenly his worst what-if paled in comparison with the goodness and faithfulness of God. So final truth. In my experience, the farther away I get from God, the more the what-ifs of this world begin to pile on trying to suffocate me with fear. But the closer I am to God, the closer I draw to God, the more I'm able to trust Him and the less hold the things of this world, especially the fear, have on me. So seek Him and His wisdom at all times, in all places. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your, all your heart. Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord. He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So identify the fear. Surrender the fear to God, but remain involved and responsible. Choose to trust God in the midst of the fear. And then refocus the problem, the fear, by getting the big picture, a kingdom perspective, an eternal perspective. God has not given you a spirit of fear. So if you are feeling afraid, that's not from God. Don't accept it. Don't give in to it. What God has given you is a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Seek him. Fear not. For the Lord is truly with you.